computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. I'm your host for the day, Tim. You know me as Cranges Make Basketball on Twitter. This is the Lakers X Pod on Twitter or the Lakers Sex Pod, the sexiest Laker pod on the internet. And today we are digging into the Lakers defense. Just the state of the defense, what's going on, who's doing well, who's not doing so well, where the team has been from a success standpoint so far, where I think they can get to, and why. So we've seen a lot of good stuff. We've seen some troubling results so far. It is preseason, so it doesn't matter all that much. <laughs> the Lakers are missing a lot of guys, so it doesn't matter all that much. And it's still good to just not ignore everything. We can look at the results from preseason and you know not quite take them as gospel. Uh, it, it, you know, the Lakers going on to doesn't mean they're going to be bad this year. It's about the process. It's about looking at what will translate. And even though certain Laker players aren't available, and those Laker players will certainly help the team perform, we can still look at this film and learn more about the guys who are playing, how they are performing within what they're asked to do. And now that we're through two preseason games, it's, I mean, we've heard the Lakers talk about it. They've got a pretty clear scheme. And we've seen that so far. We've seen them install their base scheme coverages, defending ball screens, defending off-ball screens. Their rotation principles are pretty uh, simple, and we've got a pretty good idea of how they want to handle a lot of situations right now, whether it be a pick and roll or a post-up or a perimeter isolation or either of those last two with a mismatch. So now that we know what should be happening, uh, we can really take a look at how guys are playing. So I'm just going to do a rundown. We're going to go player by player. I don't know that I have, I think I have just about everybody on here. I don't have like Reeves on here. Shawnee Brown, I don't have on here, but there will be a podcast out tomorrow that I just recorded. Uh, it's scheduled. So if anything crazy happens tonight, uh, that won't be part of it with, with uh, that pod, but keep an eye out for that because I'm, I make the case for him to get the Lakers last two way spot. I'm excited about him. There's some good stuff he's been doing, especially on the defensive end. So check that one out tomorrow. But for now, we're going to dig through some of these other Lakers players. And it's preseason. Most of you have probably watched the games maybe once. I have uh, watched through every clip of defensive film on every Laker individually where I'm looking at them and how they're doing. Uh, I've looked at, you know, at a team level, how the team's doing from a schematic standpoint. I've looked at the offense a bunch of times. So I don't, it's not like I'm rewatching the entire game over and over again, but overall, I've probably watched these two games like 12 times. Um, Dwight Howard, let's start with the bigs. Dwight Howard, he's played well. He needs to get the fouling more, you know, he needs to stop fouling a little bit. And this isn't a new issue for him. Uh, And improving other things around him with certain guys playing, putting out fires, better perimeter defense, that'll help. But he needs to stop fouling as much as he is because he's going to be important to this team, especially with Ariza out, AD needing to play more power forward. Dwight and DeAndre are going to play some minutes, and I've really, really liked what I've seen from one of these guys, not as much from the other defensively. So Dwight, as the guy who's playing well, you need to be able to stay available. And if you foul out at 20 minutes every game, like that's fine. Or 15 minutes, that you know, it, you can get the minutes you want from him, 
but it isn't helpful at the team level to be putting the opposing team in the bonus as, as frequently as Dwight often does. You can't be having those non-shooting fouls. If if you're defending the rim and you foul, okay. If you're just screwing around and, and fighting guys for position 18 feet from the rim, that's uh, not necessary. It's not worth it. On the good side with Dwight, he has played drop coverage beautifully. And you can tell, like, he was in this defensive scheme two seasons ago, 2019-2020, when they were running the same no-man-behind drop coverage. And you can tell that. Like, he's, he's executing really, really well. He's retreating perfectly to not let the roll man get behind him so that he's in position to contest or disrupt a lob uh, while also being in the right position to contest a pull-up. And he's doing a good job of, you know, he's starting below the level of the screen, like three steps or so. He's not under the rim from the very start. He's not making it a 2v1 action up until you step to the rim. He is in a position where if you're going to take a mid-range jumper, he's he can contest that. And with the, how the Lakers are running the scheme, if he were to contest that and the role man were to then be left alone, that guard defender in the action, his responsibility is to peel off and go put a body on that pick. We've seen this a number of times already, and we've seen Dwight show that he can impact shots not just three feet or fewer from the rim, he's able to impact these mid-range jumpers because he is mobile enough in playing with the technique to be in that position as long as the role man is still in front of him or level with him. So that has been really encouraging. I mentioned this on another pod, but I, I want to remind everyone, he also did a really nice job playing the perimeter against LaMarcus Aldridge in the Nets game. And the Nets were trying to run a lot of offense through LMA at the top of the key. So Dwight did a really good job making that entry pass to him hard. And then once he did get the ball, really getting in his face. And that hasn't quite been the same for DeAndre. But Dwight did a really, really good job with that. Uh, he's kicking ass on the boards. And I expect he'll continue to do so. And especially with Ariza out, I, you're going to need these centers to to really do a good job on, on the offensive and defensive glass. Especially offensively, this, this Lakers team, when the centers aren't out there, they're probably going to have some issues. So when they are out there, you want to be able to get those extra extra possessions. And Dwight has done a good job with that so far. He set good screens. Um, but again, defensively, needs to clean up the foul trouble, playing drop coverage really well. He's been a really good, excellent help defender. There are times where, you know, someone's driving at him and he's in position, does a great job, blocking shots, contesting shots, making things difficult. There are times where someone's driving along the left baseline and he's, you know, on the right baseline and has to rotate over and intercept. And in those situations, he's been really good as well. So I'm pleased with that. We've seen a number of times where he's had to switch uh, because the opposing team kind of is, is able to string out that uh, drop and turn it into a 1v1 switch situation. And he's done a pretty good job. Like he's done as well as we can expect him to do. He's not Anthony Davis, but he's done well all things considered, and the Lakers have done smart things I'll talk about later to help support uh, some of these bigs in those situations. So really good work from Dwight so far. I'm happy with what I've seen on the defensive end. Moving to DeAndre, there were a few times uh, the Lakers switched and the Nets attacked a mismatch with a post-up. So, you know, DeAndre was on a guard, but uh, the Lakers guard was then on his man, uh, and he had to help and then recover on pass outs and rotate around. So like the Lakers would send a double team on the post up and then there'd be a kick out. And then the Lakers, you know, three V four have to rotate around and recover. 
last season, there were so many times between Gasol and Drummond that the Lakers bigs either weren't aware or weren't mobile enough to really fully participate in those scramble drills. This year is going to be different. And we've seen DeAndre do that already. We've seen Dwight be active with those. That's been encouraging to me. This isn't, you know, I am standing here. You guys figure it out. You rotate around me because I am going to stand at the rim and just watch. That is not how this has happened so far this year. So that's encouraging to me. DeAndre's been pretty meh in drop coverage. He's, I mean, he blocked a floater once. Uh, He's, you know, he shut down a couple of these. He's having lobs finished over him. And positionally, technique-wise, he isn't playing this the way I'd like him to play it. He's letting the role man get behind him. Um, He's also simultaneously a lot of times not in position to really disrupt the ball handler shooting because he's starting really deep on a lot of these, just too deep. Uh, and in a position where if you take that mid-range jumper, he's not able to con- contest it. He's only able to contest if you get all the way to the rim, but then at the same time, he's not retreating the way he needs to to stay with the roll man. And in the Nets game, this was LaMarcus, Al- LaMarcus Aldridge, and so we didn't see that really matter. He is not a lob threat. He is not, like, DeAndre can recover to that. When it was JaVale McGee with the Suns, we saw this them go at this a number of times where they were just throwing lobs right over DeAndre and he wasn't able to recover because he didn't have the right depth. Uh, that's going to be an issue. He needs to clean that up. He it needs to start a little bit higher and needs to retreat smarter in this coverage to play the way he needs to be playing. Part of this might be just physical limitations from a mobility standpoint, and that is going to hurt him on this team with how they're playing this year. Uh if, if it's he doesn't want to get too far up to the point where he can't recover if the guard were to drive, I, I can kind of... You, I, that's what I'm seeing so far. That's my speculation. And we've already seen him driven past a few times. I mean, freaking uh, JaVale McKee got a nice drive on him. Um, his block radius also isn't quite the same as Dwight's, and that shows. And it shows as a help defender. In those situations where you're driving at him, he's fine. In those situations where... He's coming from one side, you're coming from the other, and he needs to meet you. He doesn't have the same radius to disrupt shots. He's been good, but not great on the board so far. Uh, He's sometimes boxing out. The fact that he used to be able to just jump really high and grab everything maybe is influencing some of these tendencies and habits from him. He doesn't quite have that anymore, so we need to see him uh, get get, get good positioning up front because if he doesn't have good positioning, he's going to lose some of these battles. Um... I do like that he's shown the IQ to tip rebounds to teammates when he can't corral them all by himself. So that's pretty cool. As a help defender, if you're driving at him, he'll contest well. Like I said, uh, when needing to switch, things haven't looked so promising so far. He individually isn't performing well, but what the Lakers have done a good job of, both on perimeter isolation mismatches and post-up mismatches after they switch, they've done a good job of bringing help. So in the post, that means... Pre-catch, we're going to front the post and we're going to have a backside lob protection guy to get in there and try to help disrupt that pass in. If the ball does get in or you're not able to get you know position in front before they get the ball in, after the offensive player gets the ball, we're going to go double. And they've shown a lot of doubles from the high side, sometimes from the baseline. They've done a good job of making life difficult, forcing you to pass out and then doing what they can to recover. On the perimeter, it's a lot about stunting and disrupting drives and sometimes like stunting and then taking on the driving guy and then having DeAndre rotate out and switch out to somebody else. So things like that are going to help this team 
succeed when they are giving up switches. Because if you give up switches and then just, you know, watch your guys lose one-on-one, that's not ideal. You you want to make the offense prove to you that they can beat you tactically and they know what they're doing. And this is what a lot of defenses have done to the Lakers offense over the past two years. And we're seeing the Lakers defense lean into this now with sending extra help and just kind of saying, you won't beat us, make someone else beat us and make them do it immediately. And, and you know, don't give, if they take any time to think or they make any misstep, we're going to recover. So big picture with DeAndre. I don't know exactly how much of this is fixable and how much of it is he's doing what he needs to do given his physical limitations, but I don't think this bodes well for his opportunities to play higher minutes. Um, this makes Dwight's foul trouble more important to me. Uh, so that's kind of how the center position looks. We've got AD as well. He He's stronger, man. He Look at pictures of him now versus last year. He's stronger. He's also still moving well. Um, he was making plays in that Suns game where like, he just could not make those plays last season in the playoffs with, with him playing hurt. And it just, it's really great to see. He's, he's moving around really well. He's executing well. He's had a few blown rotations and coverages off ball uh, that I expect to be cleaned up. I think the difference is he can just make basketball plays that other basketball players can't make. Uh, we've seen him defend ball screens and like take on the guard and then also somehow recover to the big man or the dump off option, uh, disrupting passes, getting steals, getting blocks. So far, everything we've seen, and again, these games don't matter, but from what we've seen AD do and be able to do, I feel good about my AD Defensive Player of the Year bold prediction. He's defending the rim well. He's you know somehow playing two guys at the same time, drop coverage really well, uh, switching when he's switching, he's been good, and the Lakers are already showing they'll switch more, which means he's going to have more opportunities to go defend a star guard 1v1, shut him down, and, and cause dialogue and get more votes that way. We're seeing him get deflections really well. He's getting steals. He's sparking fast breaks. The uh, team scheme changes matter on both ends, defensively to put him in good positions, but also offensively to help the team success, which does matter for awards like this. Um I, you know, the, the better you are, the more attention you're grabbing. And the Lakers already grab a lot of attention, but that's going to help him. It's going to help any MVP votes for any of these guys. Uh, but defensively, especially, the, the scheme changes optimize players well. They optimize him well. And the Lakers are going to allow AD to be more of that monster. He's been in the playoffs when healthy uh, compared to holding him back like they have in the regular season in the past. He's also, had, I mean, in that Suns game, he played 25 minutes and two blocks, two steals, eight defensive rebounds. When he's playing 35, 33 minutes a game and he's putting up numbers like this, like that's going to be really nice. That's, that's, whew, against, and this was against the top team in the West that was playing just about all of its guys. It wasn't playing Booker, but just about everybody else was playing. That's the kind of box score defensive production that gets you to the, that defensive player of the year level with the votes. And that's also a nice rate of getting blocks to support Tom's bold prediction from a few pods ago about AD getting two blocks per game. So love to see that. As he plays more and more, we're going to see the minutes go up and we're going to see these counting stats get even crazier. We're, we're happy with AD. Good thumbs up on AD. Moving to Mello, who's played one game. Uh, I, I took went through all of his clips, took some notes. He did a nice job, had active hands early, got a deflection on a Crowder entry pass. Uh, that was nice to see. He did a good job in this game, either boxing out and getting a body on someone, or 
if his man wasn't crashing from the perimeter, he was like headhunting DeAndre Ayton. Uh, not in like a bad, I'm going to get him injured way, but he went and hit him and got a, got a body on him to box out. And this was really helpful because a lot of times with the Lakers switching uh, or or that big man contesting in a drop, Ayton had a smaller guy on him. And even when Ayton had AD on him, he was pushing him around a little bit. Um, so Melo getting in there and helping just in general, but then also with AD was really nice to see. Uh, if, if, I mean, and you know, we're going to be honest here. If 80 versus Aiden were like offensive line versus defensive line in the Suns were on offense, there'd be some run lanes open. Aiden was moving AD around a little bit, even though he's really strong. Um, Aiden's just, just a monster of a dude. I'll say with Mello off ball, I think positionally he has some stuff to clean up. He would lose discipline. He'd start, uh, especially during drives, he would just start floating and get towards that rim. He's looking for those rebounds. And whether or not that's what he was supposed to be doing, that's what he was doing. And three times in this one game, he was burned by doing that with his man then just being left wide open for a three. If you if you dribble baseline and keep your dribble alive and just dribble out to the other side of the court, oh, hey, there's a wide open guy because Melo went to go crash. Um, those are like those are points right there. That's points you're giving up. So you got to clean that up. You know, crash when you're supposed to crash. Box out when you need to box out. Don't just start floating. We saw him get burned once on a closeout on Mikel Bridges. That wasn't sound at all, technically. Uh, he's going to get beat by some guards and some wings. Uh, I, I worry about his on-ball defense. We didn't get to see... I mean, it's one game. We didn't get to see all that much from him. I haven't really seen him defending in ball screens. Uh, rotationally, we haven't seen a whole lot. But what we have seen is him be late on a few rotations. Give him some time. These are new for him. But... Uh, I don't know. I, I, there, he has limitations that I'm worried about, but he's going to box out well, and he's going to be a body inside, and that is kind of what he's bringing you on defense. So super early, but that's what we've seen so far. I'm not making any conclusions, but that's what we've seen so far. Moving to some smaller players, Wayne Ellington. Oh man, in that Phoenix game, he had two like really bad dead ball plays. Um, one, there was a sideline out of bounds where his positioning was just wrong it was bad uh, like his man was very clearly going to be going off of a down screen and he was positioned in a way where he couldn't get around the screen and then ad didn't help on it so it was just a layup and, and nobody was happy there ad like put his head in his hands after that play uh there was another play where i think it was a baseline out of bounds he fouled a shooter can't do that that's not good um those are the two you know dead ball situations he was not looking good we saw him in the first game get beat a couple times on ball uh, his chaser defense through these two games has been pretty solid. His reaction time is good. His angles are good. He gets around the screen well. Uh, he, in, in ball screens, has got good back pressure and recovered to get in front and cut off a few ball screens that forced some resets. So I was, you know, happy to see those. Uh, he had one play where he got back pressure, uh, or I'm sorry, he had one play where his back pressure in a ball screen wasn't good in that Phoenix game. All the other ones were solid. So not batting a thousand, but doing pretty well. I'll say he rotated very well. I've seen a lot of plays where a big man steps up to help somewhere and Ellington sees it and he goes and puts a body on Aiden or puts a body on a big. And that is really nice to see because though that you know that's points that you're taking away from the offense if the first shot misses. Because um, Aiden by himself, you know, inside the block is going to get that board and he's going to put it right back in. So I was pleased to see Ellington's awareness, understanding, hey, that guy's helping. I need to go help and take care of his man, even when it wasn't just a normal like pick and roll rotation or something. 
and his willingness to to fight down low, especially as one of the like you know more seasoned gentlemen on this team. I'll say his peeling off in off-screen and pick-and-roll middle drives was really solid. He uh, battled to take away the roll and offensive rebound chances for Eaton in those situations. So a continuation on just kind of those broken play rotations, he's willing to and aware to get a body on a big when that big is left open because the Laker defender is is trying to help and, and guard somebody else or contest a shot. There were a few times Ellington was switched on to Aiton for an extended period of time. And, you know, obviously 1v1, that's not going to work all that well. But he did his job pre-catch, fronting, and post-catch, doing everything he can to just not give up position. And then if Aiton's shooting, just put your hand straight up, wall up, don't foul, don't concede space, don't give up an offensive rebound. And he did a really good job with this. Like, as well as you can expect him to do, he, he did a really nice job. There was one play he got in and made a, a really nice deflection read, crashing down. Uh, there was a, a opposite corner baseline drive, and Ellington's man was at the his side of the court on the wing, and he noticed that a player inside had inside position, I think, on Bazemore. Um, so he kind of crashed in there, got a hand in, and was able to deflect and take away a dump-off pass that would have been a bucket or a foul. So that was just more awareness, like just really, really smart stuff. He's not the best physical guy, but he's very smart, and he's in the right place at the right time, and that's a lot of defense. And with how the Lakers tactically are moving around and helping, and with the caliber of defenders that'll be behind Ellington, I feel I feel good so far, actually, about what we've seen from him defensively. The Lakers are going to do a lot to help make up for when he is making mistakes or is just beat because he's getting beat. So I'm happy. I, I Ellington's offense... I love the plays they're running for him. He's going to knock down a lot of threes. He's gonna He has that quick quick release, so he's going to get a bunch of shots off that other guys either will be more contested or just won't take. Um, and defensively, again, two games, but so far so good. Other than, you know, he got beat a couple times. But <laughs> big picture, other, other than getting beat once or twice in that first game, so far so good. Let's talk about Rajon Rondo. Rondo... At, at times, Rondo's kind of looked like a corpse out there. Um, he's not fighting through screens at all. He's just switch, you know, put a hand up. Hey, you take him. Uh, he's not trying to get around screens. And that is very dissimilar from everyone else on this Lakers team. If he does get around the screen, he's not getting any back pressure. He's, he's observing a lot. Uh, off ball, he's floating around a bit. He's getting lost. His positional defense isn't where it needs to be. He is over helping in a way where he's not really even helping he's just standing closer and then suddenly he's out of position one pass away that can't happen this is like you can't have that this is some of the bad Rajon Rondo defense we saw in 2019-2020 that he was you know in the playoffs suddenly he was disrupting things and, and playing good zone defense and, and causing turnovers and getting runouts. I don't like his defense and I don't think it's it's looking all that good um and it's not just like at the point of attack it's rotationally as a team defender in actions and just off ball he's not doing a good job so far two games maybe you know want him to improve but you got to challenge him and, and get him to step up a notch because he's got to be better than that especially if the lakers continue running good sets that are putting the nuns and the monks of this roster in positions to make easier playmaking reads because if that's the case and it's not just you know go make something happen bench unit, Rajon Rondo's offense isn't as valuable. 
And if his defense is going to be this bad, he's not going to play. And I don't, I already didn't think he was going to play all that much, but this hasn't, you know, through two games. And again, it's just two games through two games. He's not making a statement that you know, like this guy's ready. He's going to be out there and he's going to be, you know, part of this rotation for sure. All right, Kendrick Nunn. Uh, his issue is that he's small. <laughs> um, the Lakers playing guys out of position certainly hurt, uh, hurts this. Uh, I will say he's getting really good back pressure and ball screens. Um, however, when he needs to be making peelback switches, he had three in that Suns game where he did not, just did not make the switch. One that was late that he did make, um, and the dump off to Eaton was open if Chris Paul saw it. And there was one other one where he got in front of Aiton, but just didn't really get a body into him. He just stood there and Aiton finished a lob over him. So physical play, he's just not, like, he's not a big guy, but you got to still get into their body. You got to mix it up. And and this is a an effort and a willingness thing here with this. Um, IQ to make the switches, but then when he is making the switches, he's got to get him into their bodies, even if, you know, he's overmatched. Because just getting into the big man's legs can take away that lob option. Not in a, like, you jump and I dive into your legs, but in a, when you're on the ground, I'm into your legs, and it makes it harder for you to really get the kind of lift you need to finish a lob. Uh, He did execute a handful correctly and and on time as well, but that's four in one game where, I mean, two of the three he just, actually, I think all three. Two of the three for sure, maybe the third one as well that he just didn't do. Like, it resulted in points for the Suns. You can't have that. He also fouled Crowder on a three, which he can't have. Um, so, Nunn's got to clean it up. I've been disappointed in some of what we've seen so far from him. Uh, but it's all very fixable. Malik Monk in the Suns game. We, we, we talked about him after the Nets game. In the Suns game, he also missed two peelback switches. Uh, there were three pick and rolls he had no back pressure on. He was just kind of watching. Um, he let his man run free a few times, crashing the glass. He made no effort to box out, didn't see the guy. You got to look. That's the thing is you don't, eat, after every single shot, need to turn and find your guy and put a body in him as a perimeter player, but you need to look and see if they're crashing. If they're crashing, you got to do something about it. If they're not crashing, then, you know, do what you want to do. Go get a board or go start running in transition, but you can't just watch and let your guy run past you. This has been a problem for THT as well. Uh, twice off ball, Monk has lost his dude, just ball watching. Um, he was late to rotate twice. So this was, again, not a good Malik Monk defensive game. Uh, within actions themselves, he had to do less this game than he did in the Nets game. So we didn't see as much off-screen stuff with him. But the ball screens, he wasn't executing well. And off ball, he just, he's just he got to be smarter. All fixable. Got to just, you know a box at a time, start improving. If, if he can check off one of these things every like month and a half this season, by the end of the season, he could be a really solid player on the defensive end. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. THT, uh, he's been, I mean, solid on ball so far. Off ball, pretty good. Uh, in chaser defense, he's done well. I've been happy to see that. Uh, we haven't really seen him at the point of attack a whole lot. I want to see more of that. I want to see him used more in that way. We also haven't had to see him rotate all that much yet. Um, so going to keep an eye on that since that's where he was weak in the past. He, just like with Monk, he's got to get better at boxing out his man. Because both of those guys are, especially when, if especially if you don't have a traditional center out there, like if you got AD at the five and LeBron at the four or something, those two maybe are, are winning those those battles inside. You can't allow like three or four offensive players to be in there against those two guys. You've got to, you know, keep that extra offensive pressure on the rim from happening when it comes to rebounding. So. That's what he's got to work on. I talked about him on a couple pods ago, so I won't dig too deep there. Same with Bazemore. I also talked about him on another pod. Uh, he's been very active. This is this is Vegas base. He's he's rolling the dice. He's going for steals. He's creating defensive uh, turnovers and play. He's playmaking defensively, but he's going to get beat sometimes. Um, he's stunting well and actively to disrupt ball screens and drives. The Lakers are rotating well behind it. With this last game with the Suns, he had to play a bit bigger than he is. We've seen him fly in with help blocks and, and you know, boxing out bigger players. He, the effort was there from Bayes. He was just overmatched at the power forward position. He can't do that. That's something where, like, his effort and willingness as a small forward, he can do that. He can do that well. As a shooting guard, he's going to overmatch his physical opponent. Um, but as a power forward, that's just too much. So slotting him more appropriately by having bigger bodies out there and available is going to be important for Bayes more and what he's able to do. Uh, he, just like Dwight, is stacking up fouls at a pretty high rate. For Bazemore, it's even higher than it was last season with the Warriors in terms of like fouls per minute, which for the Warriors was already very high. We talked about this in the pre- or in the uh, offseason. So that needs to get better. If, if he's going to fulfill my bold prediction of having the fourth most minutes of any Laker this year, aggregate on the season, he needs to be available. He can't foul out 20 minutes into his, into his games. He needs to be able to play more if the team needs him to play more. He, you know, Vogel talked about him separating himself as a defender. 
he matters. He like, like he's gonna get run with this team if he can keep himself on the floor. So we gotta see some improvement there. He got burned on a couple gambles, but overall he's been really solid. So taking this to the team level, zooming out. So far, the issues I've seen that have contributed to the team not playing well is DeAndre not being a good drop big or switch big. That hurts. Neither LeBron nor Ariza playing, who defensively are some of the most impactful guys when it comes to rotating and putting out small fires. We just we haven't seen them out there. So those little fires turn into points um, where otherwise, if these guys were out there, they would cut off that drive and then you know rotate, recover, and you're fine. We've also seen size be an issue. Again, this is coming down to personnel. There were two games. So let's see, two games so far. Dwight has sat one. Uh, Melo sat one. Braun hasn't played. Ariza hasn't played. AD's played, what, four total quarters in two games? Uh, Russ hasn't played. Russ is, you know, a smaller guy, but he's going to help out inside, especially rebounding. Um, even with Ariza injured, you can be okay if these other guys are playing. But they weren't in that Suns game. So it, it, it caused some issues. We were seeing some really funky lineups out there. Then there are individual guys who need to get better in specific areas. So Monk and Ellington with back pressure and ball screens or off ball screens. Monk and Nunn with those peel, peel back switches in ball screens and off ball screens and getting a body into the big. Uh, THT and Monk with box out tendencies when their guys are crashing. And then Basemore and Dwight with their fouling. Those are the four things you got to clean up individually. Insert these other guys into the rotation. And you're in pretty good shape. Uh, the team's defensive scheme so far has pretty been pretty straightforward. They'll expand more over time with screen coverages. But right now, you know, they've got their two things and they're executing them big picture pretty well. They're, I think what really will help them get up to speed faster is the fact that everything's pretty clearly defined. Like the screen coverages, the switch principles, the rotation principles, um, when it comes to dealing with mismatches that the switches are giving up either on the post or the perimeter, like everybody knows what they're supposed to do. And one game into this, in the preseason, two games into preseason, they're doing what they should be doing in those situations. So that's encouraging to see. I say there's certainly stuff to clean up and I don't really trust some of the on-ball defense from some of these perimeter guys like Ellington or Monk a bit or Ariza versus Speed when he's playing. Um, or the tr traditional centers, but again, the team has been really smart about protecting behind that, um, and it'll get better when you've got better rim protection behind that as well, in addition to those other guard and wing defenders stunting and rotating. So th th this team, everything I've seen so far has been pretty positive. We're seeing some areas that need to be cleaned up. They can be cleaned up. As long as the team's focusing on them, they can get them fixed. Um, in terms of where this defense can get, like, I have no idea what their defensive rating is right now. I do not care. In the regular season, I still believe this team can be really solid defensively. I think this can be a top 10 defense, uh, potentially top five. I'll say maybe seven or eight. I wouldn't be surprised. So this defense can still play well. They've made the schematic changes. We have to see more film with a more available roster to see if they make the role changes and we need to see all these guys together to really get to see the results that we're looking for. But on an individual level, a lot of guys are playing well. Um, if, when healthy, the Lakers, let's say, for example, and Malik Monk's been awesome on offense. If he were to sit, a lot of the defensive, I mean, he was on three of the four lists I listed out for individual guys needing to improve in areas. If he's his minutes are limited, 
that solves some of these issues along with other guys who are better defenders playing more with like LeBron and Russ getting out there or Ariza getting out there. So we'll have to see. I don't know how much we want to bank on Ariza playing well coming off an ankle surgery um, when he comes back in, what, three months? So it's going to take some time. This defense won't be its best the first week of the season, the regular season, but we've seen the right uh, schematic changes that give me a lot of optimism about what they can be once they get it all together. All right, so that is it for today. That's a little update on the Lakers defense. Keep an eye out for a pod dropping tomorrow on Shawnee Brown, and then we will be back with you next week for a number of pods as well. So far, so good with the Lakers, even though they're 0-2. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. If you're listening to this on Friday, I hope you enjoyed the game. If you're listening to this on Saturday, and uh, go Lakers. See y'all. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.